0: Hey, pull up a chair. It's Hacks on Tap with David Axelrod, Robert Gibbs, and Mike Murphy.
1: Then January 6th happens, and next thing you know, I organized the whole thing along with Steve Bannon here.
2: And I want to tell you something, if Steve Bannon and I had organized that, we would have won. (laughs) Woo! So, Murphy, I, I always thought you missed your calling, and you should have done stand-up, but, man, you would have had better material than Marjorie Taylor Greene did the other night. Oh, I
1: know. She ate it. I'm telling you. It cricket's <laughs> even in that crazy room. But I'll tell you, I got a note from a friend at the Pfizer lab, and they said, look, we're the best in the world, but we can't help her. <laughs> There's nothing we make. You know, just, just get the straight jacket and uh, uh, let's wish her well. That was something else, but it is emblematic, as you well know, Brother Axelrod of the, of the crazy town that's broken out in large part of the Republican House conference. Not all of it, I think, but enough to be troublesome. So our guest, we decided to reach high and get Doug (laughs) High, a former RNC comms director, a veteran of Capitol Hill, was deputy chief of staff for Republican Majority Leader Eric Cantor, I think comms director for Senator Richard Burr, too, but somebody who really knows the Game of Thrones-like intrigue uh, going on in the House right now as Kevin McCarthy tries to scrape and ooze and claw his way to a narrow uh, window. Yeah, well, the when, when
2: they go low, we go high. That's our motto <laughs> Ish. here. High-ish. There's yeah. only so
1: much we're
0: capable of. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, welcome, brother. It's good to be with you. Thank you so much.
2: You know the thing that's noteworthy, Marjorie Taylor Greene. I, I, I know there are people going to be listening saying, "Why do you even give her any time?" But we we're giving her time because Kevin McCarthy is giving her time mm-hmm. because he has to explain what's going on right now. Uh, in the leadership fight and how that empowers people like her
1: yeah and maybe start with the speaker being different you actually have to get a majority vote of the whole enchilada rather than just a caucus vote
0: yeah the the speaker vote is one of the more interesting things in in american politics it usually isn't um except for the ceremony this time it it will have substance to it um or bad substance obviously we can debate but the house of representatives does not exist until there's a speaker. And so the way the vote operates is uh, it's called one member at a time, individually, alphabetically, uh, and each member stands up and they, they have to vote for somebody or they can vote present, uh, which actually does make a difference. Yes. And they can vote for anybody they want. If they want Mike Murphy for speaker, they can do that. It doesn't have well, to be what's holding them back. They could do a lot worse than <laughs> I, I am now announcing and they my candidacy. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, they have. And, so, they have. and so this is where the palace intrigue will will come in the vote is if, if you go back to when John Boehner uh, won his speakership vote uh, 10 years ago, uh, there was drama. We knew Boehner was going to win. But if you remember 10 years ago, Chris Christie had made John Boehner because of Hurricane Sandy release, public enemy number one. And so the waters for Boehner were very choppy. and. um we in the canner office uh were working the vote for Boehner as well. Um and we had to monitor who was going to vote for him and who was going to vote against him. And what we weren't prepared for was when names would pop up and the speaker or, or the, the members of Congress wouldn't be on the House floor. So the name Bachman came up. Michelle Bachman. Oh my god. Not there. The the OG M G T. Exactly. Yes, and- exactly. And so we were not prepared for her to not be there. And then the name Blackburn came up, marcia Blackburn, also not in the House chamber at the time. So you will have drama. Even if Kevin goes into this, knowing that he has the votes required to win, there'll still be drama because members are still going to, some members will still play games. Um, and it's part of what Kevin has to be prepared for. And Kevin's job right now is his old job as House Whip. He's got to get the votes. And, you know, ultimately, that means you need a majority of people voting Voting. for a specific voting for a specific person.
2: People can vote present and that vote doesn't count. It doesn't count in in the total that lowers the threshold for for whomever gets elected. Nancy Pelosi, I think, got 216 votes. Exactly. Exactly. Get elected speaker uh, in her last term.
1: The optimum number is 218, but the whole thing can shrink enough that you can win with the 215 or 16. And luckily, Kevin has that world famous spine of steel to help him navigate
0: this. Well, and and there's one vote lower because there's a vacancy in Virginia. Um, that's a Democratic seat. Right. Um, so he, so that number is one lower now. So he's got to get to 217 essentially, but it may ultimately be 214. Right. Um. And that's that's his job is now individually vote by vote, going to those members and getting their vote. And that's why we're talking about Marjorie Taylor. Now,
1: will the Dems whip like, OK, let's pretend I'm a moderate Democratic congressman. OK, and I, mm-hmm. I've, I've always wanted to get the peanut butter import thing done because of my district. You know, I got an issue I care about. Do I go make a hallway deal with Kevin that I'm going to vote present to help him? And he owes me uh, some, you know, to make my thing work in committee down the road. In theory,
0: yes, but in practice, that's that's not going to happen. Because all deals will
1: be on me, right?
0: Yeah, and and we're hearing talk of you know maybe the problem solvers caucus, which is a group of Republicans and Democrats. Uh, Josh Gottheimer from awesome yeah, New Jersey, yeah, civilized, Democrats. Democrats.
1: yeah, they meet
2: in
0: a small room
2: and eat yeah. with forks and knives. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. you know, th- there's talk that there may be not a plan B, but ultimately like a a plan G, right? <laughs> if nine other things happen then potentially we could get to the peanut butter caucus, but you're going to need those nine other things to happen.
2: Yeah. Wow. You know, he has basically deputized Marjorie Taylor green as, as, and you know, this was sort of the, the tell on this was when she was sitting next to him, when he unveiled the Republican Mm -hmm. platform uh, back in the fall, but he's, uh, he's deputized her to, uh, to, to rally uh, the freedom caucus folks. Yeah on his behalf what what does that mean in terms of her
0: power and position in the house well i think it's it's not so much him empowering her as it is his recognizing her already empowered um she is a force in the republican conference and this is why we're talking about her um she has you know garnered a lot of media attention she raises a lot of money um and this is how the incentive structure in american politics are very different today uh, than they were even five years ago, certainly 10 years ago. Um, you know, if you were to tell me 10 years ago that members of Congress would say, I'm not going to take any PAC money, uh, that essentially they're not going to raise money in the way that members of Congress typically do, I'd say they're crazy. Well, yeah, but then the Internet came along and now you exactly. can raise
1: online crazy or racist money with almost no cost of fundraising. So why the hell not?
0: Right. And so so fundraising has now been democratized. And we can obviously okay. argue whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Small d democratized. But she has a lot of power and influence. And, you know, very similar to um, AOC. And obviously there, there are big differences between the two. But AOC has 12 million followers on Twitter. Nancy Pelosi's known that for a long time. And it gives them for, you know, an AOC or a Marjorie Taylor Greene, you're in your second term of Congress. You have outsized influence. Well, there's a reason we're talking about Marjorie Taylor Greene, and we're not talking about, say, Gus Bilirakis, right? We talk about <laughs> AOC. We're never going to lead a conversation about Peter Welch.
2: Yeah. What the the thing about uh, this is, there are repercussions of this, or there Im, Im, there's an impact of this for the Republican caucus mm-hmm. moving forward. And I think a lot of these members recognize that a lot of the swing districts that will be up in 2024. Are in places where people are not fans of Marjorie Taylor Greene. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, we saw that verdict in this last election. Um, yeah. Kind of. So, how much influence she has is a problem yeah. for, for those.
1: And you know, the Dems are going to make her a poster child. I mean, Axe is already getting a tattoo, stop MTG <laughs> on his. You know, so, but it, it, doesn't this put us further in? I mean, it, do we ever learn a lesson from these lousy election cycles? to try to increase our numbers in the old days we did.
0: Now it looks like we doubled down on losing. Yeah. And I think, you know, where we see that are some of these candidates who were terrible and lost. Um, even if they did better than expected, I'm thinking of Don Boldick from, from New Hampshire, we should have won yeah. that Senate seat. The and now he's, he's poised to be uh, the state party chair of New Hampshire, which means, oh. yeah, we learned lessons. We learned, we learned the ones.
2: Interesting dynamic because that—that of course is Murphy's. It's
1: his second home state now, uh, New Hampshire. <laughs> S- says the man calling from House Number Three like, <laughs> Say- <laughs> in Arizona, Tax Haven. For the, you know the revolution will be led from a reasonable taxing. Let jurisdiction. us move. Let us. Let <laughs> us move on. I open the door to that.
2: Uh, but you know it's interesting the dynamic in New Hampshire because you got Sununu, who's a wildly popular incumbent. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know he he swallowed Baldick and and put on the party armor uh, in the general there, having tried to beat him in the primary. Now you know that's an,
1: you know how does how does how does well, that cohere? You know one thing: New Hampshire is different, and. Party chairman's being party chairman there is nice and you get to meet a lot of presidential candidates. But, you know, that and a a dime will not buy you a cup of coffee because every voter in New Hampshire thinks they're party chairman and probably president of the United (laughs) States. So it's one of the weakest state parties for the chairman having a grip. They also have a state house of 17,000 members and they all get to go endorse people. So it's a it's kind of a Fisher Price play state (laughs) chairmanship, but still, still. He's gonna. And remember, he votes on the RNC, and there could be some key stuff coming up there on the on the RNC committee. We only have 160 whatever, not like the Dems who have a much larger voting universe there. So it's
0: bad. And I think that you know Tip O'Neill used to say famously that all politics are local. We've moved to where all politics are national, and we all know who Don Boldick is. We all know uh, who. I mean, obviously, we all know who Dr. Oz was, but we we know who all these fringe candidates are. Because they all get national attention. Again, we're talking about a second term member of Congress from Georgia. Um, and, and it's because of how our politics have become celebrified. This pre-existed Trump, but certainly Trump exploded it. Um, and we focus on all of these names now in a way that, a, a way that we didn't. Again, I joked earlier that we're not talking about Gus Bill Arrakis, a Republican from Florida, or Peter Welch, who will be a senator now from Vermont, because right. they're good, hard-working members of Congress who put their heads down and work. It's not what we focus on. Well, the problem is the primary has become everything. So primary
1: politics now rule the general election, definitely in the Republican Party, to Mm -hmm. some extent in the Dems, not as bad. And that gums everything up. I just want to make one point here
2: because I feel like we owe it to him. You said we all know who Dr. Oz was. Dr. Oz still is. Mm-hmm. He's just back in New Jersey now, and he's a private
1: <laughs> citizen. So yeah, he's opening uh, a Korean restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Send uh, your angry letters to uh, David Axelrod at the uh, University of Chicago. Uh, State uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> but Doug, as a as a veteran of uh, of the House Caucus, I know it was a very different kind of House Caucus when you were there. Uh, how does this? Is it your presumption that McCarthy, being a a, a master of the process, will somehow? Patch together what he needs to get this done.
0: I've talked to more members in the past month than I probably have in the previous six. And every question goes back to this one, uh, exactly what you're asking. And it's hard to get other than people who are going to instinctively or reflexively tell you that Kevin's going to get the job. Um, it's hard to get a definitive answer. And, you know, ultimately I think you, Kevin, Kevin's best asset in this is that there's no plan B. And, you know, we know in in politics and so many other things, you can't beat somebody with nobody. And there really is nobody. So there's no plan B, although sure, we could say if Kevin doesn't get it, it's going to be Steve Scalise. Yeah. And Pat McHenry's
1: out. I mean, there's no like uh, there's no um, Paul Ryan scenario here where there's one guy we all agree on who can actually run the place. And those guys don't want it. Right. Because it's
0: crazy town. Nobody wants it. And, And ultimately, again, what I referred to earlier is like plan G. I mean, we could be talking about Plan N or Plan Q at that point. So, you know, Kevin's got to get there. And the, the question is, and this is unknowable at this point, is, okay, there's a vote and Kevin doesn't get there, so we vote again. How many votes like that can Kevin sustain right. before he gets to that number? And because at a certain point, members may say, this isn't happening, let's move forward. And we haven't had this process in a 100 years. So ultimately, we've never had it. And it's it's unknowable at that point. But Kevin's best asset is there's no plan B. What about the
1: Freedom Caucus? Is that deal done? It looks to me like it's done-ish, but maybe for only a ballot or two if he can't make it. My guess is they're trying to deal for committee chairmanships
0: on the side. That's, that's exactly what they're dealing with. Yeah. And, and it's, it's all process. Process is actually sexy for once. But you also have something happening at the same time is you know, moderates are talking about flexing their muscles. Now, they often talk about flexing they their muscles. They haven't been in the gym very often, yeah. No, no. And But at this point, they may just need to point to the barbell and say, mm-hmm. you see that? You see that? I'm going to try and pick it up. Yeah. So you've seen <laughs> Dave Joyce from Ohio, a moderate Republican. You've seen him on TV a few times. I've never seen Dave Joyce on TV before. Yeah. Um, so this is how they're talking about it. You know, we'll, we'll ultimately see if, if they get there. You know, this is a microcosm of the larger the struggle. This is
2: what I was trying to get before at the New Hampshire thing. I didn't mean to lead you, Murphy, into a, a integral discussion of New Hampshire Republican politics, but it is a microcosm of the larger problem for the Republican Party. Uh, and, you know, you do have a growing number of sort of center-right Republicans who have been kind of along for the ride for the last few years uh, with Trump, who mm-hmm. are kind of looking for a way out. Uh, But it's not it's not obvious, uh, you know, how you do that when this this core of of uh, Freedom Caucus kind of crazies uh, in particular, that wing of the Freedom Caucus Mm -hmm. have so much influence because you and this was we talked about this several times now. This is the consequence of a very bad election for Republicans where the margin in the House makes makes it ungovernable and it raises the question what is life say mccarthy does navigate this mm-hmm. what's his life going to be like
0: <laughs> as speaker Hellscape. you li- you live through some of this yeah you know we had a bigger majority and life wasn't great in our majority and you know david you obviously dealt with this on the other side you know think of the 2013 shutdown mm-hmm. think of the bush tax cut expiration where we handed you a victory because we couldn't win on our own which we should have been able to and i remember I remember that January or that December of, of 2012 very well. I remember leaving the office at midnight and hearing fireworks go off because it was New Year's. Um, because we, we couldn't do our own job well. And that's clearly going to be a big part of this Republican majority. And it's, it's why this lame duck session is very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, you know, if Democrats are smart, they'll, they'll cut a deal on the debt ceiling. Uh, Because they do not want to trust the House. A
2: hundred percent. Well, look at Doug. You remember 2010. Boehner and uh, McConnell both knew the thundering herds were coming Mm -hmm. in January. And if they wanted to get any reasonable compromises done, that they had to do it in that lame duck session. Uh, But I don't I mean, it feels like time is
1: running out here. Yeah, but that stuff is always Perils of Pauline. And, you know, this thundering herd is scarier than anything. I I just want to inject when we're talking about, Doug, you'll remember the time, just for the, the tone beat of it all, it's no fun. I don't know why Kevin even wants it. I mean, just the life. Because he's wanted it all his life, man. Yeah, but you know, he's the dog who caught the car, and then he finds out the car is coated in dog crap and tastes bad, and it runs <laughs> him over. You know, it's like, oh, Dad, step back, pal. I remember we were in in Canner's majority leader office talking about stuff, and all of a sudden, this huge drumming sound came rattling in through the windows, and Canner just kind of shrugged his shoulders and said. Uh, Looks like Bachman has a new drum. And it was a crazy (laughs) Michelle Bachman rally outside, you know. she was among those who drummed him right out of the house. Right, right. You know, that's actually a myth, but I'll bring that up later. Everybody thinks he lost the primary because, you know, Laura Ingram attacked him. One, she wasn't on the air in that district. And two, Virginia has no party registration. So all the Democrats who had nothing to do showed up to vote against him. He actually carried the R's. I made him do a post-election poll. I didn't do the race, but I, I felt bad that media narrative was so wrong anyway bottom line this is felt bad yeah 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 uh, yeah yeah. yeah poor well actually
2: Harry. he probably feels pretty good about it now because he went up to wall street and he's, he's doing making great a fortune, doesn't have to deal with all this crap
1: right no more no more crazy people
0: drumming outside his office to try to gaslight him into the, uh, the lunatic home having talked to him and i saw john boehner two weeks ago there's still very much a sense of well this isn't our problem anymore you don't have to deal with that day to day and so yeah. Eric's last day in the House of Representatives. Wait, wait. Before uh, you
2: go on and make your point, did Boehner share any product with you?
1: I was going to uh, say a
0: handful of gummies or anything. Yeah. Now, well, not that kind of product. Look, I grew up in Winston Salem, North Carolina, in Richmond, Virginia. So I am pro tobacco as anybody <laughs> can be. It never bothered me about Boehner. He, he's smoking, moved on to
1: a different leafy
0: product. We're now. talking about a different. Yeah, we're yes, talking about I a know. different leafy product. Yeah, I know. Anyway, go ahead and make your point about Canner. So Canner's last day. I believe it was August 1st, or July 31st or August 1st, um, we had to pull a vote from the floor. And, and the canner office, we're all kind of having the last day, you know, kind of party. And some of the McCarthy staff comes in because they had to pull an immigration vote. And we immediately thought, this is not our problem anymore. And that's, you know, that's the sense that Cantor has, that Boehner has, that Paul Ryan has. And it's going to be a real problem for whoever is speaker in this well, next and conference. And if
2: McCarthy makes it, he'll have that feeling someday, too.
1: Just for the listeners, pull a vote is a big deal because you never put anything on the floor for a vote unless you think you have it done. And that means there's a rebellion in the ranks, which is yeah. like the nightmare thing that happens to the leadership. OK, then let's take a
2: break right here
1: and we'll be right back. You know, Axe, there is no shortage of information available at our fingertips these days to that interweb machine the kids love. It can be overwhelming and discouraging to try to keep up, but staying informed doesn't have to be a challenge. Smart News is here to streamline the way you consume media and get you straight to the stories that matter most through delivering critical and breaking news curated just for you. Smart
2: News aggregates local and global stories from trusted publishers so you can stay informed on what
1: matters most to you, from local weather to trending TV shows all in one app. Smart News scans stories, analyzes headlines, and partners with respected publishers to deliver information that helps you live smarter. Say goodbye to information
2: overload, and boy, I'd love to, and hello to saving time and getting straight to the news you care about. Easily personalize your feed by following top publishers, adjusting notifications,
1: and getting alerts in your area all in one app. Hello, saving time? I like, I like the sound of that. Smart News has big stories from top publications to keep you in the know on everything from breaking global and national news to real-time local alerts and personalized feeds for sports fans. Aha! I'll be interested in that.
2: Download Smart News for free today in the App Store to get the news that matters
1: most. That's smart news, S-M-A-R-T-N-E-W-S. And if you can't spell it, you need smart news a lot. (laughs) Search for it in the Apple App Store for your iPhone or iPad or Google Play Store for you Android users.
2: Your news, your way. Discover the all-in-one app that delivers the information you need to live smarter. I don't want to let the Republican problems hog the whole agenda here. So, Jeff, cue up uh, the cinema clip,
1: will you? Another independent thinker.
0: You're up for re-election in 2024. Uh, This move means, I suppose, that you're not going to be running in the Democratic primary for the Senate seat? Well, again, I know this will probably be disappointing to folks, but I'm actually not even thinking about electoral politics or talking about that at all right now.
2: Yeah, right. Let's sail past the foolishness of that, uh, and talk about cinema's decision. In the short run, I don't think it makes a hell of a lot of difference because she, she yeah, tends, she's a ninety she, percent voter with the D's. It's not like yeah, she is, and she, you know, she was going to be a pain to the leadership and to the White House on some of their priorities. Uh, anyway, that's what she has been for the last two years. But she's basically a, you know, she's been a solid supporter
1: for. By on judges and other yeah, things. 90 plus percent yeah. of the time she's there. I, you know, this is one of those things where the thoughtful version of it is, oh, she just wants to bring us all together and continue to be a, a thought, a pragmatic moderate, not tied to one party. The cynical version is she took a primary poll and right. she's mm-hmm. dead as dead can be. So the only move to make is to try to tri- triangulate herself as kind of a Dem slash Indie. Uh, I think it's their numbers are bad. Put the but, yeah. and put
2: the Democrats in Washington, the Democratic establishment, in a box because yeah. if, if they think she's the only uh, way to win, and you can see everybody's been very, uh, very gingerly about commenting right. so on it her decision. Worked. In part, in part because they need her help in the next two years. Here's my question. You know, she's not, it's not, yes, she was in, she, there was no way that Kirsten Sinema was going to win a Democratic primary. But you know what? She's not terribly popular with Republicans and independents either right. mm-hmm. in, right. in yeah. that state. And, you know, my, uh, maybe what her bet is, I want to see who runs in that Democratic Party and whether Carrie Lake makes a, uh, you know, makes a comeback attempt if she has conceded by then or is, you know, uh, in her governor's race, runs for the U.S. Senate. And maybe if I get a kind of left Democrat and a uh, and a crazy Republican, then I can slip through here. But Yeah,
1: it's a crazy plan, but it's the best plan she could have, I think. It gives her a fighting chance. I think chance.
2: the odds are that she's probably— headed for a very lucrative private life after this term
1: yeah there's that scenario though the dems nominate a lunatic and then you have a lefty semi-lunatic democrat the ours have a real lunatic and she's in the middle and somehow you know it becomes the best bad choice but it's a real carom shot on the other hand the primary was over for her so what else could she do I'm
2: not sure that her unpopularity is all related to her voting record. I think her unpopularity is related to her persona and this kind of strangeness, uh, uh, you know, coming on the floor and voting against the minimum wage, which a lot of people may agree with. And then curtsying as she turned her thumb down Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. You know, the flamboyance. Gratuitous. Yeah, I mean, she's a character, and I'm not sure people – I think people may be tired in Arizona of that
1: character. Well, she's betting on a little McCain thing here. I'm feisty, independent, you know, I'll stand up to the – I mean, she's grasping for any way. And the one thing I'll say in her defense, other than that magnificent vote on the minimum wage, is she, um, she is trying to align her politics to her persona a bit. As the independent who doesn't work for either side, I oh mean, yeah, she might be able to work with this and help herself going
0: forward. We used to see. I, I, I've spent a lot of time around her on the House floor, and I say that because she spent a lot of time on the Republican side of the aisle. Um, and she would talk to Republican members. She worked to be as bipartisan as as possible. Now that doesn't get you rewarded in party politics, Republican or Democratic, uh, these days. And I, I sort of am mystified by it. And I completely agree with David on. You know, that she's a character, right? Our politics have become so performance art. Um, and she clearly is participating in that and, and revels in it. And she likes the attention. But, you know, I go back to, to this past election and so, so much of the, the rhetoric that we heard from Democrats were that Democrats needed to tout the Biden accomplishments. Okay. If you look at any legislative accomplishment that Joe Biden had, and I'll include the gay marriage bill that he's going to sign. In law this week, her fingerprints are all over every one of those accomplishments. But because of how she's engaged on that, because of uh, where she would gum up the works and then cut the deal at the end and so forth, she's turned off a lot of Democrats. And it's why she had to make the, the ultimate move that she did, the Arlen Specter move essentially.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or the old Joe Lieberman. It would have worked if the Republican, well, it had a better chance of working if the Republican Party was the old Republican Party and could kind of buy into the hybrid thing. And she, But everything's so polarized now. Is there any room, you know, for somebody like that? Anyone who doesn't think she's
2: very smart uh, is, is wrong about that. Yeah. And yeah. you talk to any member who's worked with her and, you know, she is, uh, you know, apparently got a photographic memory. She's very smart. Uh, Detail-oriented when she's working on, you know, things that sort of fly in the face of the image that she Mm -hmm. has cultivated. But image is pretty important in politics, and you know, you you know, yes, you're right. Performance, performance, uh, being performative has become. Uh, really uh, uh, an essential part of American politics. But actually, Arizona has been sort of an admirable aberration in this regard. I mean, look at the people they elected, Uh, you know, Kelly, uh, Katie Hobbs, you know, beating Carrie Lake. Um, You know, they they didn't choose flamboyance. (laughs) They chose sort of, you know, grounded, sort of middle-of-the-road uh, kind of people. And so I, I, we'll, we'll see. You know, she's had an interesting journey, too. Yeah, she from, started out with you and the comrades originally. Actually, you know, she, she was, was to the left yeah. of me. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and she sort of migrated uh, uh, toward the center. So we'll see. You know, we'll see uh, what happens. But it does speak to 2024 because Democrats do, you know, Democrats have control of the Senate now. It's going to be tough to hang on to it. Yeah. In mm-hmm. 2024, you've got uh, not only this Arizona seat, which is now very much in doubt, because I think if she does run, the, more, the the likeliest outcome is that Republicans will benefit, not Democrats, from her candidacy, yeah. so, which is the hammer but, she's ha- holding over Schumer's yeah, no, head.
1: Just quickly, I agree with that, but if she can use this new positioning for an effective year, um, she might put herself in the race where the Dems are going to say she's... Our only shot to hold off a nut.
2: Did you see who the most uh, ebullient endorsement of uh, cinema came from? Our old friend Mitt Romney.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. He
2: brings uh, people who, who, together. He dude. loves her. He works closely. He works closely
1: yeah. with her in the Senate. They, they all hang out on Mansion Sailboat, by the way. They've got a bipartisan pass the not for Mitt, you know, past the the liquor club. And there is a personal, it used to be called the Senate Fire Department. They had this secret thing. Alexander was part of it where they tried to, on a bipartisan, they called it the Volunteer Fire Department. But there's some of that alive here. Yeah, a lot of firemen have left the Senate, but <laughs> yeah, true, <laughs> burned out. They're all leaving now. The question is how
2: much wind is going to be in Mansion Sales there, uh, because he comes up in 2024, that state went for yep. went for Trump. By almost forty points, he only won by a handful of points. And is he back. announced he he's running? I, I he I has not. Heard he that. has not. Yeah, yeah he's not. teasing it out. He was also asked whether he's going to also become an independent. He left that door open so he could he could uh, try the same uh, maneuver. Testers up in Montana, uh, not an easy state for Democrats. There are only three. uh, Democrats left in states that Trump carried, and it's uh, Tester, Sherrod Brown, and uh, Manchin, and they're all up in 2024. And as are uh, other Democratic seats, more more Democratic seats than Republican seats. I mean, I think if you were betting, you'd have to bet that the Republicans take back the Senate in Mm -hmm. 2024. Oh, they they totally have the odds. But now that we're in the crazy era, who knows? But we bet on this last election, and you and I— had to give up our uh, stamp collections and everything else uh, to
1: pay off the debts that we. uh Well, that that's the problem because uh, by the old rules, 24 is three to one odds Republican, maybe four to one, but the old rules, we we don't know if they're sticking around. I'd still lean that way, but you know, we're in a different zone now. Part of it, if the Repubs snap back to semi-normal Trump light, then I think normal could come back. But if
0: he's in the middle of it, all bets are off. I would tell people um, in the run up to this election, my, my kind of standard line, which was a bit of a get out of jail free card, was if I could bet on the Senate Republican index fund, then I would I would invest in that. But I can't pick the individual stocks. Now, the lesson I should have learned is the individual stocks really matter. Wow, that's
2: good. That was a good
0: line. Yeah. Now, now, the problem is now we're stealing it. It was wrong. The individual stocks matter. You know, if Herschel can't win, well, you have a problem. If Dr. Oz can't win, you have a problem. And so, um, you know, Mitch McConnell ultimately is a big part of this uh, election is his lesson. Quality of candidates matter, and it matters more than maybe we thought.
2: There's no question about that. And, and, and Murphy sort of identified the, the skunk at the garden party there for you guys. And it, Trump was right in the middle of this, uh, and he
1: picked a lot of those bad candidates. Yeah. I was going to do an artful transition to speaking of people as we wrap up on cinema and the Dem Senate, that don't fit the obvious mold. there's a potential Republican contender for president who is a little different, and do we think it's real? That would be Tim Scott of South Carolina, Senator from uh, I, not you know, conservative, but with a tone that's not trumpy at all and something that he's assiduously created. Uh, what do we think? What do we think about? Well, I mean, I th- you know I've had
2: this discussion with people because, as you can imagine, with Democrats, uh, the prospect of an African American Republican nominee who's not crazy, uh, who's not crazy, who's, who's sort of a solid conservative but not a crazy conservative uh, or a crazy right winger that that is a that is a daunting uh, prospect. Most of them, when you talk to them find it hard to believe the Republican Party would nominate such a candidate. So I'm coming to you, Republican wise men. If Murphy, I I don't know if they took your
1: card back. Wise guy. Wise guy. Yeah, you're a Republican (laughs) wise guy. I I still have my old general's uniform. I just don't wear it a lot. (laughs)
2: But what do you guys, I mean, how do you rate this? Because there's a little bit of a thing out there right now, a lot of people pumping
0: him up. There may be no Republican I like more than Tim Scott both personally and, oh, and future and, future postmaster general Doug <laughs> High here making his play
1: all right or amtrak you get a private train car but go ahead oh no,
0: i mean personally and politically uh he's he's the best of what our party is and should represent here's the challenge because there's always a, when you say something flowery like that there's always a but um what i've heard now twice including once from a, a sitting senator pretty recently is that they see that. They see Scott as running for vice president, and you can't win the presidential race if you're running for vice president, and you may not be the VP pick if you're running for vice president as well. So Scott has to set himself apart from the pack, whatever size pack that is, um, in, in, in a way that makes clear of what he wants to do and what his ambitions are. And that's what, what we haven't seen yet.
2: Well, the question is, can he do that? Without challenging or offending anyone, he thinks might be the sure. nominee. Because I think for for you know the the question is like who has the who has the stones to, to stand up and challenge Trumpism and 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 right. and maybe DeSantis and uh you know and if you're running for vice president you're going to be disinclined to do that.
0: Yeah,
1: you know the thing though about running for vice president is. I agree with Doug. Rarely I mean, works, you, by the way. You, you, well, yeah, rarely works. But the problem is if you get in and you start doing it really well, you take the vice off the bumper sticker, so to speak. Because yeah. <laughs> you rock it forward and you're willing to take that promotion. Where I think Scott could have some, and forgetting the geopolitics of South Carolina, and does he screw up the primary and will where will it be? Just on the candidacy, if you put him, Donald Trump, and uh, Governor DeSantis, through the uh, the campaign publicity machine for a while. I know who everybody in the Republican Party would rather like hang out with. Who's the one sunny character? I mean, uh, Trump will talk about we got a problem with squirrels. We got to we got to humiliate them. I'm going to lock them in a place. DeSantis will say, no, what you do is you cut their head off with this big pair of scissors I brought along. Scott will be like, oh, maybe we can train the squirrels to do something useful. Uh, He'll stand out just by tone in the current primary, Mm -hmm. and that could be his rocket fuel. Plus, Republican primary voters are so tired for 100 years of reading about how racist they are. And, you know, I used to do panels and people, that would be the opening line. Uh, And look, there's a problem, okay? But to see an incredibly impressive African-American conservative, there is a special love that can break out. Because they're like, see, we're not what yeah. you say we are. This guy is what America ought to be, and that's that's rocket fuel. So I don't know. I think he has true potential. He also has a, a ultra billionaire funded super PAC to, to kind of help anti him in because South Carolina is not a finance yeah. base. So keep an eye on him.
2: Okay, let's take a break right here for a word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back.
1: Hey, X, if you haven't finished your holiday shopping yet, don't panic. We've got a secret Uh, ah! source for incredible original gifts. Oh, my God, there's a toucan in the studio, and that's (laughs) Uncommon Goods. UncommonGoods.com has the absolute best gifts for everyone in your life. We're talking moms, dads, teens, in-laws, besties, your one and only, your loan shark, anybody you want to take care of.
2: Yeah, my loan shark's doing fine. And it's not stuff you can find just anywhere. And that's the thing. Uncommon Goods has unique and creative gifts, often handmade by independent artists and makers. So skip the gifts that scream last minute. And find something truly original at uncommongoods.com. And well, Murphy, what are your some of your favorite uh, uncommon goods offerings?
1: Well, one, I found a solution because normally on Christmas Eve I go down to smoke damaged warehouse and see what five bucks will buy for you and other friends, but I might actually yes. get my act together. I'm sick of that, by the way. <laughs> I'm looking I'm looking at this and you know, I got a lot of Callahan's and McNultys to take care of, and they have a personalized whiskey barrel at uncommongoods.com and believe me I think I'm going to need a truckload of those. I mean this is the kind of stuff that nobody else, you know, you want unique things and that sounds like it for me.
2: I've heard you described as a uh, as a whiskey barrel. So <laughs> I can see why that would that would appeal to you and they also have beer chilling coasters, an indoor s'mores fire pit. Mm. Man, I love these things and and get this, a
1: pressurized craft Beer growler. (laughs) Okay, uh, Tiger, I'm going to send you my address (laughs) for that one. Sounds perfect. (laughs) All right. So, if you're looking for a gift, you don't have to worry about getting lost in the mail and common experiences are more than just virtual classes. They're unexpected opportunities to have fun and connect in new ways from tarot card reading, lunar astrology charting, cooking and mixology classes, crafts, gardening, and so much more. Because we all know people don't just like gifts, they like experiences. But make sure it's a good one, and that's what UncommonGoods.com will do. From art and jewelry to kitchen, home, and bar, Uncommon Goods has something
2: for everyone, not the same lackluster gifts you could just find anywhere. And let's face it, we've all given some of those. And with every purchase you make at Uncommon Goods, they give back $1 to a nonprofit partner of your choice. They've donated more than $2.5
1: million to date, so join that club too. And to get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash hacks. That's UncommonGoods.com slash hacks. For how much, David? 15%
2: off. You got to do it. So don't miss out on this limited time offer, Uncommon Goods. We're all out of the ordinary. Here's the thing, Doug. Murphy is one of the smartest people on the planet. And, and he'll tell especially you, especially about politics. But he, every once in a while, he yields to his heart.
1: Uh, <laughs> this is, yeah, this is your unified theory about me. Yeah, he exactly. so
2: he so wants the Republican Party to be a sunny kind of place, and it's not a very sunny place right now. And the question is whether a candidate like that can prevail, and whether a candidate like that in this Republican Party, and whether a candidate like and whether Tim Scott. Has the sort of force of personality to
1: sell? Yeah. Big sell, open question, by the way. I'm just yeah. I'm pitching the theory and the ingredients. I don't I know got, if I the Well, let me put.
2: ask you guys this question though. Right now, DeSantis is sort of the transitional drug for Republicans who want to kick the Trump habit. Yeah, he's right? a proof. So of you concept. can you can yeah. you can get the culture wars high, but it isn't as destructive to your being. But if these two guys post up. And battle each other. Is there an opportunity for the ball to bounce in another way, and for someone to grab the ball? You know, uh, a Yunkin,
1: you know, a Scott, somebody else.
0: Yes. a Sununu. I don't know if
1: he's yeah. going to run or not. Well, no, I don't, I, anyway, there's a shot. But you're right; it's a carom shot.
0: Yeah. Well, and absolutely, there's a chance of that. Look, we're talking as as almost if if Trump doesn't run, we'll see on that. Obviously, that then it automatically becomes DeSantis, and well, you still have to earn this. And you have to win in Iowa and New Hampshire and South Carolina and everywhere else. So DeSantis still has to, you know, you have to win March Madness to, to get the trophy. And there's no reason that a Yunkin or, you know, someone else uh, can't step in on that. Tim Scott as well. The, the challenge is, and I think we all know this, is if 10 people run, well, that is great for Donald Trump or probably great for Ron DeSantis. If we have six people running. Uh, then it becomes a lot more interesting. I've
1: often said for years, and there's a Axelrod kind of Im- Im- imitation of this, but actually, we both have said for years that people like to vote for what they perceive they did not get the last time. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you're a, if you're a real conservative, and you're the anti-Trump in tone. I don't know if it gets you elected, but it gives you something to work with that could be powerful. Now, Youngkin's making the same bet, but I think Scott is a better story. Uh, We'll see. What do you mean imitation? That's been my theory for decades. 20 years. We both said it forever.
2: Yeah, that was the whole premise on which I thought. uh, But your
1: copy is what is it—a remedy, not a repeat? Or
2: the people look for the remedy to what they have, not the replica. So that leads—that's a great transition, even though you didn't mean to transition it into the (laughs) uh, Democratic presidential race. It seems pretty certain. I think you know Biden is definitely planning to run now. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, and there are two elements. Well, there are three things I want to talk about this. One is uh, just Biden himself, because I think he's had a pretty good run. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a good yeah. summer of legislation. He, uh, he uh, legislative victories. He, you know, confounded the odds as the leader of the party. uh you know, in the midterms, mm-hmm. uh, he just this week had some. You know, we can talk about Grinder. I, I, I bet you, Murphy, you have a contrarian view on this, but I think it was probably something that most people, it was the deal he
1: could get it, politically. It'll play fine. And it's the right, wonderful right. thing about Biden's win here, and I totally agree is he's like the guy who kind of bunted a single and a big orange bird grabbed the ball and took it out of the <laughs> stadium and he got a home run for free. That's the amazing right. thing. He won the lottery or didn't have a lot to do with him. But whatever the case, I, I thought
2: he was going to get a bump in his numbers after the midterms, and actually they've gone down. I mean, the economy is improving, uh, maybe not fast enough for yeah, people. but, but that lags. Know,
1: you know the numbers that, that lack. does
2: lag, but I mean all these things have lined up in his favor. Like you know, so the question that they have to solve is why. And I'm asking you guys, uh, mm-hmm. from observers outside the tribe, why is he? Why is it? Why are his numbers
1: lower now
2: than they were before the midterm?
1: I think the economic cavalry is barely out of the barn and it's trotting not running. That'll that'll take time and more. And I think, you know, the, the I think you can misinterpret the midterms as being some affirmation of Biden. I I think it just wasn't about him, which is shocking. That's a miracle of political crowbar work. Uh, you know, it was last done by Osama bin Laden in 2002. I mean, you don't see it, but Trump did it. So Biden, though, in the inside game has had a huge victory and a lot to work with. And if that starts working, his numbers will move because Democrats now are not saying, oh, Christ, who are we going to get? Now, that said, the fundamental problems that put Biden in trouble beyond the economic performance are still there. You know, he goes to Walter Reed with a heart rumor and cable news is going to just explode. And you can see it in the poll I'm watching now. Which is the poll of how many people are calling reporters? There, I I heard a rumble this morning outside my house, and I ran out to the window and I thought I just saw the Graf Zeppelin passing by, but it was actually the Cory Booker for President trial balloon that was launched in uh, Jonathan Martin's political count today. I don't know if you've seen it, uh, but it, it it's not subtle. Uh, so the polls are still moving around. But Biden's problems inside are now he's a winner, not a loser. And I'll bet that'll translate to better numbers in 90 days. It just takes time. This election had very
0: little to do, bizarrely, with Joe Biden, ultimately. And we see that, I I think, in in two ways. One, we didn't see Biden on the campaign trail sort of at all. And after Election Day, it actually, to me, might have made sense for him to do an event in, in Georgia, right? Have a little bit of a victory run and say, I'm here on the trail. Uh, But, you know, I go back to and I didn't get it at first. I Abigail Spanberger um, ran an ad where basically she said congresswoman from Virginia.
1: Democrat, In a
0: very tough district from from the canter seat. And to me, she's she's the prototype of what Democrats should want. Mm. And she ran her TV ad was, you know, I work hard and I hold town halls. And I thought, wow, okay, you're not really saying anything. And it took me four or five viewings of that ad to realize what she was saying, which was glaringly obvious in what she didn't say. She said, I'm not an insane person because she was running against an insane person. And we had so many of those that yes. defined Republicans nationally from the Pennsylvania governor's race to the um, to the Maryland governor's race and, and, you know, on and on and on. Obviously, Herschel, that's that's the election. We've
2: talked about this before. Uh, you know, normally there's one president on the battlefield in a midterm election. This election, there were two. Uh, mm-hmm. Trump and the people Trump selected, and the, the 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 base that he leads, that dominated primaries and delivered candidates who were uh, unelectable in in swing districts and swing states in a general election. Uh, it really the Democrats succeeded, and with the help of Trump and Justice Alito, they they succeeded in turning what mm-hmm. generally is a referendum into a choice, and they
0: ended up in a better place than anybody uh, thought possible. And but Alito raises. I think an important point, you know, there is this strain of thought that Republicans should be talking about abortion more. And the reality is we were talking about abortion. We were talking about it with state laws, with trigger laws, with extreme candidates who wanted to, you know, uh, ban everything and, and, you know, women who would have to, you know, couldn't cross state lines and mm-hmm. things like that. So Republicans were talking about it and talking about it negatively by default. Mm-hmm. And that definitely had an impact.
2: But uh, just getting back to the Biden uh, thing, Mike, your, your point is the same. Look, I, um, I think Biden is, if he runs, he'll be the nominee. I think, I, I I know, I mean, you I could take his record, especially if the economy continues to improve. I could take this record and I think it would be a very comfortable reelect. And the issue is just, you know, we've never seen this with a, person 81 years old before and how uh people process that but it leads me to the next question and we got to do this quickly because we got to get to the mailbag but um uh he is committed to running with Kamala Harris again as his vice president it seems to me that it is in his interest uh I mean she's got to do things to up her game and improve her profile and numbers he needs to uh do whatever he can to help her do that, uh, because she'll be as much a, uh, she'll be as much an issue in this campaign as, uh, as he will because people will say hey we we like joe and
0: yeah we're but if joe doesn't make it oh right. goodness right
1: right if i were running biden world i would say look our record is better than our guy so we're going front porch we're going to go raise 200 million dollars and we're going on tv for 6 months to tell that story and we're going to hide biden the other thing, what the hell do we do about Kamala? Because she's a huge hole, hole in the boat. Now, I've worked for governors before where on a stormy night, I've knocked on Lieutenant Governor Doors late at night in a dark Homburg saying, this is the business you've chosen. Here's your resignation letter. It's yeah, so much harder to do I don't think that's going to gonna happen, that's not yeah, gonna I, happen. I get it. Not I get happen, it. But, but unless she decides, but she won't because they she's never not. do. no. But they—they've got to fix her, and so far they've been bad at it. I don't know what's holding them back. I know her staff has been, let's just say, bumpy internally, but they have to get that fixed. She has to improve, and you know, she has to find that core. the 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 coin of the
2: realm in national politics is authenticity, and you know, you have to have that, or uh, you, um, or or you run into problems. And she seems always to be looking for that perfect political answer. And you can see the wheels turning and it just, the the authenticity is not not there. And she needs to figure out sort of who she is and how to talk about issues in the context of what she believes. But I I think this is an issue that uh, they're going to solve. And the last thing on this is, you know, I think there was this, an assumption that Biden would uh, step aside among a lot of Democrats that out of necessity, that's not it doesn't seem as likely now. Well, it doesn't seem likely in the CW, but one health crisis. No, I understood. Everything could reset. Well, he himself said, I'm a respecter of fate. And I think that's code for that. Yes. So, but let's assume that he does run. uh, And you've got this crop of candidates who would likely be in the mix uh, in 2024 if he didn't run. By 2028, You're going to have a whole new crop of candidates.
1: Oh, totally. It would be good for the Democratic Party. Josh Shapiro in
2: Pennsylvania, uh, you know, Westmore in Maryland. There are some very promising
1: people who are elected. This Cooper, Whitmer. I mean, there are a dozen of them who are up and coming generationally. Well, Cooper is not uh, generationally in that group. But I'm working him in because when you guys nominate a Southern white Protestant, you tend to win. Yeah, well, we'll see. Good luck nominating one, but yeah.
2: But in in, in any case, um, you know, it could be that because of Biden, some people get passed by in this. There are people who
1: are being talked about in this context, you know. What uh, about Axelrod, eliminate the middleman? I I was going to run for President New Hampshire under that slogan as a parody and make a movie about it. But now I think I'm passing the torch to you middleman is a better job frankly uh, <laughs> it is so. you get to wind up on a podcast bloviating then you got to unplug your cell phone for exactly a day. in arizona all right we're going to take a minute to pay the bills and we'll be right back You know, Axe, I always know and I smile on late Sunday afternoon L.A. time when my phone rings because it's you, the chatty Kathy of the cell phone, <laughs> wanting to talk a little politics. You love to use a phone to call your friends and political buddies and everybody else. So you're our hacks on Tap phone expert. What yeah. kind of great deal have you found and ferreted out lately?
2: Well, first of all, thanks for not blocking me. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's really in the holiday spirit. And this holiday season... The best deal in wireless can be found at Mint Mobile. Right now, when you switch to Mint Mobile and buy any three-month plan, you'll get another three months for free. Wow. Vionet, yeah. And as the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order and activate from home with eSIM while saving tons on phone plans starting at just, get this,
1: $15 a month. Now, wait a minute. Let me get this. You get three months free, the best offer they've ever made. The plan started only 15 bucks a month. You can do it from home. You don't have to wait at the mall and go into the store and deal with the person in the logo golf shirt trying to upsell you. It seems so easy. And I understand all these plans, the ones that start at 15 a month, come with unlimited talk and text. They do. Yes.
2: Yes. Wow. Yes, and you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and switch easily and effortlessly with eSIM. Or if you need a new device for a limited time, get six months of free service when you buy a select device and plan. So switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month.
1: Limited time, so get going now. All you got to do, remember, three-month plan, three months free. You just go to mintmobile.com slash hacks. That's
2: mintmobile.com. Slash hacks cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com/slash hacks.
1: God, they're going to lose a fortune on you.
2: It's listener mailbag. We have a robust list of questions here and uh. Let's give our guests the leadoff question. Dan says, leading up to the Georgia runoff, it seemed as if Lindsey Graham was on the ticket. The R's strutted out Ted Cruz and Lindsey multiple times. Are those the big hitters within the Republican Party, Doug High? The D's have the Obamas. But who, in your opinion, is the biggest name besides Trump in the Republican Party when it comes to getting out the vote?
0: Oh, that, that's easy to me. It, those, those are governors. It's Ron DeSantis and Glenn Youngkin, uh, probably one and two. And we saw them a lot on the campaign trail. And, you know, I, I tend to think that if you can nominate and elect um, governors, it's it's a better, it's a better candidate um, and they're better prepared for that job. But as far as surrogates go, those are one and two in the Republican Party right now.
2: Yeah, well, actually, in, G- in the Georgia race, the number one surrogate and the only surrogate that Herschel Walker cared about was the governor of that state, Yeah, Brian Kemp. And uh, he tried mightily. Uh, but it, it turns out that, uh, the people who voted for Kemp weren't all that persuadable.
1: Well, he tried mightily enough, you know what I mean? To kind of cover himself. I'd argue he's the most successful Republican politician of the cycle uh, on election day between the primary and the general. And I thought he was pretty adroit. He did enough not to be blamed, but I bet he's fine with the outcome.
2: Yeah. What's his future outside of Georgia? Does he have a future in,
1: uh, national Republican politics? I think so. He knows how to play the conservative world well. Uh, he's really grown up from his original candidacy as kind of a cut rate Trump uh, into a fairly grown up governor. He's a Paul and he knows how, how it works. So I would keep an eye on him, maybe VP, but uh, he, he's in the, the the next tranche of up and coming ours. All right, Axe, I have a question for you, but first the plug. Don't forget to send us your mailbag questions at hacksontap at gmail.com, hacksontap at gmail.com. Okay, this is for David Axelrod from Yes, Bruce. Okay. Why do Democrats pay such close attention to the South Carolina presidential primary when the party nominee always loses the South Carolina general election? South Carolina narrowly voted for Jimmy Carter in 76 and JFK in 60, but in all other elections since Harry Truman, Republican presidential candidates have triumphed. Yeah. You know, I am uh, trying to think back, but
2: I think every Democratic nominee in recent memory has someone who will, will fact check this has won the South Carolina primary. South Carolina was very important to Barack Obama. I think one exception may have been John Kerry didn't win in 2004 the South Carolina primary because John Edwards, who was from South Carolina originally, uh, won that primary. Edwards ended up as the VP on the ticket. But generally, South Carolina has been pretty predictive of the nominee. I got to go back and look at Gore, but certainly Clinton. Uh, you know, so South Carolina. I'll tell you what South Carolina does. First of all, it's important in the Democratic presidential primary calendar because it has a large number of African American voters. Majority, I think, in the primary, uh, at fifty six percent in yeah. the last primary. But they also tend to be. You know, there's a mythology that the African American electorate is somehow a far left electorate. It's not. not. True. Yeah. It's not. It and it's it's a um, culturally conservative. Sort of middle of the road constituency, and uh, they tend to nominate candidates who are center left candidates. And so South Carolina is actually, it's a good state to have in the early mix. It's first now because I think Biden owes South Carolina. South Carolina is a great firewall and he owes the African-American community. And that's why it's first uh, here. But, you know, just because uh, Democrats uh, don't carry it in a general doesn't mean that it doesn't serve a really important purpose in the nominating process. And I would add one other thing. Iowa, the elimination of Iowa pained me a little because I have such a great affection for the state having launched barack obama had he started in south carolina i think that victory would have been discounted but the fact that he won in the middle of the country in a state that was 90 percent white uh helped uh propel him forward and i kind of don't like the idea that you always should start your process in states that go for you in the general election probably good to spend some time in states where you have a shot Uh, where you can be competitive, but it's not guaranteed. So it's good that Michigan, for example, is in the early mix. Good that Georgia is in the early mix.
0: Everything I've heard right there, by the way, uh, David, is a great argument for North Carolina. Uh, yes. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're talking your
1: book. Yeah. Yes. But North Carolina yes. should be a contender, and I miss Iowa, too. That's where David and I used to you know, be good friends and yet battle back and forth with the famous Iowa Cup for the governor's race. <laughs> yes, and forth.
2: those were the days. Uh, All yes. right, Drew asks Mike Murphy, can you discuss who may be in the running for a California
1: Senate seat if, if – Senator Feinstein retires? Oh, what a great question, Drew. It is it is interesting and complicated. So all the Democrats think that Diane has kind of aged out and should retire. Now, I'm not sure anybody's told Diane that yet uh bill carrick call your office but um, somebody's gonna have that, to that's our <laughs> consultant by the way and a good friend uh we ought to get him on the yes, uh somebody's gonna have to take a shot of whiskey and walk in there with one of those german shepherd training gloves and try to explain to her she's not running again and people are assuming that so you you're getting ready for an epic north south battle the contenders are congressman adam schiff from the la media market great fundraisers certain stature uh uh, has a congressional base. A lot of talk about Katie Porter, kind of a media darling, also from Southern California uh, running, uh, not quite as in it as Schiff, but could be. Run more from the left, at uh, Elizabeth right. Warren, a- a- Warren, disciple. Exactly. And then, of course, Northern California, those candidates look around and say, wait a minute, we always win primaries. We're not going to let these, and there are two potential Southern California candidates. So Roe Kahana, who's kind of the Silicon Bernie, Uh, from, you know, uh, connected well to Silicon Valley, progressive kind of a modern progressive uh, is rumored to be looking at it. And then what everybody's afraid of is Gavin Newsom, after busily reading Joe Biden's EKG for the next year, decides he is going to run and Newsom for president goes sideways. Then uh, I've cut enough ribbons here in California. I'm going to jump in and Bigfoot the whole thing. And who knows? Maybe somebody else will jump in. So it's going to be a yeah, well. Barbara big Lee has fight. also been mentioned. Yeah, Bar-
2: Barbara Lee. That's true. Uh, African American congresswoman from Northern California. You know, and the uh, the other scenario. You know, Feinstein is well up in years. If she were not to fulfill her term, then Newsom would appoint someone, and that would give that person
1: Right. They could uh, be a short-term, advantage. then run, or a caretaker, which is what all the others will want, to clear the field. Out of respect for our listeners and time, I noticed you didn't even spend any time mentioning a Republican. Well, there'd be somebody, but, but here's where the Republican counts. Remember, we have two pass the ballot here. So you either have two Democrats in a runoff where Republican votes and independent conservatives become the fulcrum, or you get a Republican in who the Democrat easily stomps. So that's one thing in the calculation for all these primary candidates. If it's top two Democrat, the moderate would have the advantage in the general. And I think Schiff's probably thinking about that. But who knows? You get some Republican assemblyman who's got an, a, a plan to electrify the border, and they squeak into second, you're, you're screwed. And then, then we get another comrade in the Senate. So going to be interesting. Get popcorn. The uh, I think the top vote getter among Republicans on the state ticket there
2: was Lanhee Chen, who's a Great guy, impressive. Uh, got fifty-five serious. percent of the vote in the race for controller. For, 45, tough. right? Forty-five, yes, forty-five. Yeah. Sorry, uh, you're projecting. Your Republican. secret Republican is is battling out. To, 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 to. <laughs> if he, if he's in there, he's very secret. Um, <laughs> anyway, Doug, hi, it's great to have you, brother. Come back often. You uh, you thank bring you so great, much. Great wisdom and experience. Yes, it's great. You. Thank you.
1: Great to see you, Doug. Tell the listeners what you're sitting on right now. Because uh, we had a lot of fun uh, two years together, and you, you adroitly stole property that rightfully belongs to the Columbia Broadcasting System. I very
0: specifically stole it, yes. I'm sitting on a director's chair from the pilot Ways and Means, where Patrick Dempsey played uh, uh, the majority whip in Congress. Um, the Republican chair- majority whip. We almost got Indeed. that one through the network.
2: Who wrote and conceived this uh, wonderful tome?
0: Yeah, exactly. Mike Murphy uh, was the brainchild of all of this. And so I got a chair with my name on it. And I tell you, it's a good chair.
1: Yeah. And you got three or four meal tickets to eat on a freezing New Jersey seat (laughs) when the Newark (laughs) courthouse doubled for the Capitol. But yeah, uh, that was a lot of fun. We almost made it. It was great to see you come back. And keep Anytime. us informed if if you hear any rumors of poisoning or payola in that <laughs> race for uh, Kevin McCarthy. Because at this point, I wouldn't rule anything out. Anytime. Thank you. See you, guys. See you, Ax. Take care.